This Voice of the Arts podcast is made possible thanks to the Carnegie Museum of Art. You're listening to the Voice of the Arts, WQED FM. I'm Jim Cunningham, and it is a joy to speak with Evren Ozell, who's coming to make his debut for Steinway Society Pittsburgh on Sunday afternoon at the Kresge Theater. Some amazing artists have appeared for this concert series, and Evren, you're going to be playing some Rameau and some Schumann. Bela Bartok is outdoors. Sweet and WC too. What a great program you put together. Thank you very much. You know Pittsburgh. Have you been here before? This is actually your debut. You have never been to the city. That is correct. I've never been to Pittsburgh before. Wonderful. Now, I want to learn all about you, but tell me a little bit more about your thinking of putting these pieces together. I always love when a concert has Jean-Philippe Rameau in it. I love Rameau's music. Um, yeah, certainly. You know, these are all pieces that um, I love very dearly. Um, and they're all pieces that um, involve polyphony, uh, which is the concept of um, multiple voices happening at the same time, multiple linear voices happening at the same time in such a way that it's both horizontally and vertically uh, in terms of the music, uh, very, very um, pleasant to listen to. Um, and, you know, it comes in all different forms. You know, I have Rameau and Bach who are, you know, Baroque favorites and, you know, obviously polyphony at that time was such a, such a huge uh, concept and, and um, you know, at the same time we have some romantic Schumann, um, such, character, such uh, characterful music, um, which I think relates really well to Debussy. I consider Schumann and Debussy to be very related in terms of how their compositions work. There's so many uh, non sequiturs, so much uh, up and down character changes uh, at the drop of a hat. Uh, and Bartok um, is, you know, it's been one of my favorite pieces for a very, very long time. It's, uh, it combines that percussive and uh, that percussive nature of the piano while still, you know, as Bartok did, explores um, the folk music and folk tunes and really makes the piano sing. So it's a, it's a very exciting program and I'm very happy to bring it to Pittsburgh. Super. Bartok, I always feel a special uh, connection to him because he came to Pittsburgh on a couple of occasions. You know, Fritz Reiner was involved in getting his concerto for orchestra. He and Kusevitsky worked together to get the concerto Commission Pittsburgh got the first recording and Boston got the first performance, the, the premiere. So uh, Bartok, because he came here and was a Hungarian compatriot of, of Reiner, who was our music director for 10 years, I always think we have a little bit of a 20th century connection to him. And you have to have a, a, a sympathetic heart for his coming to this country, leaving his homeland during the Second World War. He came here, his health wasn't Great, but he shouldered on and created some of his uh, great music late in his career. Tell me a little bit more about the outdoors music. You mentioned folk tunes are in there. That was something he was noted for, collecting folk tunes and putting them into his music. Certainly, yeah. I mean, the the Out of Doors Suite uh, was unfortunately not one of the pieces that he wrote uh, while he was here in the States. Um, it was written in 1926, which was a very big uh, year for Bartok, uh, especially in terms of piano compositions. It's the same year in which 
the piano sonata was written as well as the first piano concerto. And uh, as I mentioned before, uh, you know, that that year in particular was um, a, a part of Bartok's life where he was really experimental and he was very much uh, trying to see what could uh, what could come out of the piano as a percussion instrument. So, you know, there's five movements, the first of which is called with drums and pipes. And, you know, you can absolutely hear all the different, it's like a, it's like a percussion ensemble, um, all coming from one instrument, uh, which is incredible. Uh, and at the same time, you know, you have movements like uh, the fourth movement, which is called the night's music, which has this uh, kind of a drone uh, that's sort of like the haze of the night and all around it are these little, like you hear like a bird call or you hear like maybe an insect kind of scribbling about or a squirrel kind of running around uh, or you hear like little chirps or maybe, you know, you, you hear all these sort of kind of eerie sounds of the night um, all going around this um, this beautiful haze and in the middle section of that particular movement uh he never stops the the drone he never stops the the hazy drone of the of the night air but um there comes this uh folk tune um which is extremely beautiful and um it just provides such a, an amazing color in the midst of in in the midst of the the creepiness of of the rest of the of the movement can't wait to hear it and anything else you'd like to share for listeners coming to your concert special details about the music that you love uh anything to help the audience get in a little bit more deeply i assume they'll have some program notes will you speak from the stage you ever talk to your audience i do uh most most of the time i do speak to the audience uh i do intend to do so um, in Pittsburgh on, on Sunday. Um, one thing I might talk about is um, a short piece that I have on the program. It's an etude by Georgi Ligeti, uh, who wrote three books of etudes, which are all, you know, not only technical challenges, but also intellectual challenges. And even more than that, they're incredible pieces of music. Um, the one that I'm playing is called Cold Avid which uh, loosely translates to open strings. So if you go and hear the Pittsburgh Symphony and you hear the strings at the beginning tuning with those open fifths, um, the entire piece, it's probably three or four minutes long, is based on that interval of a fifth. But you know, instead of stacking it three or four times, which is what happens when orchestras tune and then they go on and play Mozart or Bartok or Haydn or whatever they play, um, Legety builds this entire piece, col coloristic uh, masterclass, really, um, around the idea of open fifths being stacked on top of each other. And you get these incredible, I, I think of it almost as like a rainbow of sound. Um, so that's a piece that I always love uh, bringing to audiences and I'm very excited to bring it to, to the Steinway Society. Well, I always like to see a program with Ligeti, too. You know, his star 
started to burn brightly when Stanley Kubrick chose him for a 2001 A Space Odyssey. But I think in the intervening half century, he has continued to to rise. People are recognizing how vast his catalog and, and the greatness of his music. Interesting stuff, always. Okay, we want to hear about you. Where did your love of the keyboard begin? Was it in Minneapolis? Where was it? Uh, that's right. Yeah, I, I grew up in Minneapolis. Honestly, I... In a way, I sort of fell into studying piano. We had a small upright at home and and I would sort of reach up and and lightly press on the keys. And um, at one point I was, I think three years old at the time, my mom just asked, hey, do you want to take piano lessons? I said, okay. And it very quickly became probably my favorite thing of all time. Um, and it was it was like one of those things, I mean, I had friends of mine who also took piano lessons, but they would, you know, do anything to get out of their lessons. And for me, it was, you know, if I got in trouble with my parents, it was the threat of no more piano lessons. That was what set me straight. Um, so it was always a, a deep, a deep love of mine. Um, and yeah, I've, I've, I've just grown with the piano ever since then and have, uh, it's always been a, a very big part of my, my life. So from Minneapolis, you're at New England Conservatory now, finishing up your master's degree. And uh, where was it in between? What else are we uh, missing there from the curriculum vitae? Um, I oh. mean, as as far as as far as studies go, um, I will say that is mostly it. While I was uh, in Minneapolis, I I grew up there. I lived there until I was. 15 and I had I had been taking piano lessons I took theory and composition lessons for a time I even took conducting lessons for a time you can believe that um, I uh, participated in chamber groups um, so I you know I I considered myself to have had a very full uh, musical education already in Minneapolis and then I uh, went to Walnut Hill School in Massachusetts when I was 15. So I was there for three years in high school and then went to New England Conservatory for undergrad. And now I'm continuing for master's. Uh, and that's all been with uh, my, with the same teacher, Wak Young Byun, who has been uh, absolutely instrumental in my growth as a pianist, as a musician, and as a person too. And you've done some amazing competitions. You had great success with Chopin even made it to the Holy of Holies, the Warsaw Chopin competition, and there was Chopin in this country as well. Yes, uh, the that you know the Chopin competition was uh, that had been a dream of mine since I was probably ten years old, and um, it was an absolutely wonderful opportunity and experience that I had. First, going to Miami and participating in that national competition which was a really fun time because I have been involved with the Chopin Foundation before throughout high school. I was doing their, uh, they have a scholarship program for young pianists, um, which I participated in uh, every single year in high school. And then um, I was in college when I did the, the competition and going to Warsaw obviously was, was a huge, uh, huge thing for me uh playing in that amazing hall and getting to visit you know the church where Chopin's heart is and and walking around 
the city where he lived for for his youth and um and just being involved in that kind of an event was uh, was really special for me i don't know if you saw in the polish news headlines but the bust of chopin which is in the chopin park in warsaw lezinski park a replica has been made and canadians are taking it across northern canada to edmonton where it's going to be on display they felt they should have a statue devoted to chopin there and the bus driver has been posting on youtube reports along the way chopin is so important to poles wouldn't it be nice if if uh, a great composer was on the fuselage of our airplanes in this country like he was on the lot airplanes for a while it's just unbelievable the atmosphere at the warsaw competition remember uh this was before your uh visit there but the judges sometimes get into disputes when their candidate doesn't get chosen we've had judges quit in anger i can't remember who marta argrich some famous pianists have gotten into yes arguments there at, at the warsaw they love their chopin it's a very unique sound that they they, they want to hear i guess mm-hmm yeah um and i mean that was that was one of the most special things about it in a way was you know i've i've never i can safely say that i until that point i've never you know experienced an audience that had such unbelievable enthusiasm for for the for the music that was being played i mean you know just every single competitor had a standing ovation after their performance round because the whole audience was just so so in love with the music and so excited about uh about this big cultural event um so that was that was really really exciting and and uh gratifying to play for to play chopin for the polish audience you've met some great people already and one of them in my memory is mitsuko uchida uh, how did you meet Mitsuko? Uh, have you been able to stay in touch with with her? She doesn't come to Pittsburgh as often as I'd like. She was here some years ago, but she comes to Cleveland a lot and made some recordings up there. So I guess we just don't get her quite as often here. But she's a very special artist. Yeah. Um, Mitsuko, I, I met Mitsuko on my 19th birthday, actually, believe it or not. It's a fun story. Um, I was, this was my first year of college and I was auditioning for uh for the Marlboro Festival and there was a preliminary audition which I had passed in uh December and in February um on my birthday uh there was the final audition which Mitsuko was judging and so I went to play the audition and afterwards she asked is it your birthday today I think she must have had the application the applicant information in front of her and uh, and I got a hug from her on my birthday. Um, and a few days later, I found out that I had been accepted. Um, it was a, an incredible. Um, it was it was it was a great birthday, safe to say. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I go back to Marlboro. Uh, I've been three summers now. I'll be back again this summer uh, for my fourth time. And, uh, you know, so I'll I'll every summer that I'm there, I spend time with Mitsuko and uh and whenever she comes to Boston, I try and see her. And I'm actually on on, uh, on March first, so not too not too uh, far after this concert in Pittsburgh, I'll be playing uh, in a masterclass for her at Carnegie Hall in New York. Wonderful. 
Well, tell her to come to Pittsburgh for us a little bit more often. We'd like to see her, that's for sure. But we share her recordings on the on the radio. And Marlboro, that's a place I've always wanted to go. This was Rudolph Serkin's festival, correct? That's correct, yes. He had the sign that said musicians at play. <laughs> Caution, musicians at play or something like that. But uh, it is a legendary place for music lovers in the summer, that's for sure. Well, we'll look for you there. Uh, uh, I want to let you get back to the keyboard, but tell me about New England Conservatory and what you're liking about it, who you're seeing. Uh, for folks who haven't been to NEC, what's what's it like there? Um, yeah, well, at this point, I mean, I've lived in Boston almost a decade now. I've been at NEC pretty much that whole time. Um, and so it's, it's home for me now. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a wonderful atmosphere for me. Um, all the pianists that I know there, we're all very supportive of each other. Um, and you know, the piano faculty in my mind just keeps getting better and better, uh, with the people that they add. And, and it's, it's, um, it's a really wonderful atmosphere to, to be there and I it'll be it'll be hard to to leave when I eventually do have to at some point I can't be a student forever um but uh yeah NEC it's uh you know it's a it's a wonderful area just a block away from Symphony Hall um we of course have Jordan Hall here at uh at uh, at school and so you know we see often celebrity series concerts here or um, Boston Chamber Music Society concerts or just school concerts where, you know, one of our colleagues might be playing with the school orchestra or a solo recital or something. And so it's a, it's a great place to be, certainly. Jordan Hall is a beautiful old hall, historic place. I made it there once and, and enjoyed a wonderful concert at, at Jordan Hall. So you're fortunate to be able to go there Often did do I remember did Russell Sherman teach at New England Conservatory? Was he on the faculty there? Yes, for for many many years. Actually, his wife Joaquin Bion is is my teacher and has been uh, since since two thousand fourteen. Um, I unfortunately have have never gotten the chance to to work with Mr. Sherman, um, but I have been fortunate enough to see uh, several of his recitals that he gave in Jordan Hall, as well as some uh, outside just in the Boston area. Well, uh, New England Conservatory came up on my radar because he was the most important teacher, I believe, of our Pittsburgh pianist, Christopher O'Reilly, who was the host of From the Top for many years. And I always heard of his great admiration for Mr. Sherman and the work that they did together. Are you a radio listener? Minnesota Public Radio. This is the most famous public radio network in the country. Yeah, um, Minnesota Public Radio. I, I have been to the building a number of times. I've listened to you know Friday Favorites and and um, and Performance Today, of course, um, and uh, yeah, and as well as from the top, which with you know with Christopher O'Reilly, um, which I which I had played on a few times, and uh, I've I always enjoyed my time uh, with from the top. So uh, yeah. Good. So we've heard you on the radio in Pittsburgh. We were one of the first stations to carry uh, from the top because Chris's mom was our manager of the radio station at WQED, CC Summers. And uh, Chris was around the station 
a lot in his very early years as a pianist. And even the theme song came from a family connection. They would play Cole Porter's From the Top for, uh, I think, his grandfather, Pear Pear. So interesting things are uh, part of From the from the Top. And, and Chris, oh my, I'm keeping you too long. I know you want to go. It, it's so great to speak with you. And Everin, the first and most important thing I should have asked you right at the top, am I getting the name correct? Everin Ozell, am I putting the, the accent on the right syllable there? That is perfect. I'm I'm very impressed. You got it. You got it right on the first try. Okay. I'm not sure if I've ever met an Evren before. Did your parents say how they chose the name? It's a beautiful name. It's uh, it's Turkish. It means uh, universe, and um, it's actually it's a very common name in Turkey. Um, I I have full Turkish blood. Um, I, I of course was was born and raised in the states. Um, so I identify mostly as an American, um, but of course my, my childhood, uh, included lots of amazing Turkish food. And, uh, so it, yes, it's a, it's a Turkish name, uh, that my mom gave me, uh, and it, and it means universe. Oh my, I love the culture, the food and the people, but we're all eyes are on Turkey with all of the terrible problems there in recent days. Do you still have family in the old country? Uh, very distant relatives. And as far as I know, none of them are in the areas that were affected, thankfully, but it is still uh, very tragic uh, with the earthquakes there. Um, so that that's, that's been a very very difficult uh time yeah uh, all of us are, are hoping that uh, we'll be able to rebuild uh, in the way the human spirit does in, in in the future but that tragedy like that it's hard to hard to imagine it'll take a long time uh for the families that are lost and the the buildings and so much oh, i'm sure cultural treasures are gone as part of it as well oh well thank goodness we have music to lift the spirits and uh Focus on the beautiful things in the in the world, and we bless you for doing the great work that you're doing to that end. Have a safe trip to Pittsburgh. Evren, thank you so much for this time together. I really enjoyed talking to you. Have a safe trip to Carnegie Mellon University and the Kresge Theater. Thank you so much. This Voice of the Arts podcast is made possible thanks to the Carnegie Museum of Art.